0: of the earth, the most, you know, the most giving man to, to uh, the, the, the man who'd ever, any man who'd ever taken on the burden of a wife, I was surely the most giving of all the men who'd ever taken on, okay, and, and, so, and yet, yet somehow was underappreciated more than any other man on the earth, you know. Turns out, Brenda felt like she was the most giving woman and was the most giving woman of any woman who had carried the burden of being married to a man. And uh, was the most underappreciated woman in her mind, it turns out, to, How can it happen, folks? How can it happen that, you, that we get to the point where we feel like we're trying and trying and putting everything into our relationship and it just isn't working? How is that even possible? How is it possible? How can we feel like we're putting everything into our marriage? Let me tell you one thing not to do, and then we'll get into what to do. I tell you what a lot of people do in their marriage is that they'll take and they'll start comparing their own strengths to their spouse's weakness, right? They'll say, well, I'm, I'm doing all this to make money for our family, and he or she does nothing. Or I do all of this to do <laughs> – I promise I'm not going to step on it. <laughs> Brenda's over there grimacing. He's gonna step right in the he's gonna break something. We're gonna have to give Jeremy a check for six hundred dollars, replaces whatever that is. All right. I'm not gonna step on it. I usually am right on the edge here, Jeremy. I'm like you know, about to fall off. But I'll be it's all right. How can it happen though that we that you that you feel like you're putting so much into your marriage and it just isn't working? Has anyone ever had that happen? Listen, everybody has had that happen, okay? Every marriage has problems. Every marriage has struggles. Every marriage, as, as we like to say in my family because I can't quite keep my words straight, every marriage has struggles. It's struggles and troubles together. Uh, uh, every marriage has struggles. Every marriage has, comes to a point that they don't think they can work it out, and you come to the point where you think, are we really compatible? Do we really belong together? Is this really going to work? Or, you know, it gets a little worse, and you think, I just married a broken one. You know, I, I picked... My man picker's broken, and I picked a bad man. You know, I picked the wrong one. I picked one who was broken, or my woman picker's bad, and I picked a, a, a broken woman. And uh, and and it comes to that point. You know, there was a time in my marriage where Brenda would have said, "Here, I'll make this her and not me." Where Brenda would have said that uh, that she wasn't sure she married the right man. Today, though, <laughs> today though, she would say, "Absolutely, it was God's calling on her life to save me and marry me." And uh, anyway. Uh, th- I think today she would say, and I would say, that I'm married to the right woman. Is that true? Um, you're married to the right man? Okay. There was a time, though, that we doubted. There was a time, though, that we doubted whether or not we had married the right person, that maybe we messed up, maybe we didn't hear God correctly, maybe we heard wrong, maybe um, we married the, other, the one person, the one man in the world that was broken, or the one woman in the world that was broken, And uh, because I've been trying and this isn't working. Have you been there in your marriage? Let me tell you, if if you're not, you haven't been married very long, and it's coming. I'll just tell you, uh, because you get a couple of sinners together, and they're going to struggle to be united together. It's just the way it is, you know. It's just the way it is. It, it's difficult. It's it's a hard work, and it's hard to find. Um, it's hard to find unity and intimacy in marriage. It really is. It's a it's a beautiful thing when it happens, and it's a most um, disappointing and a most. Um, um, troubling thing in your life, not just your marriage, but it also affects the whole rest of your life when you're having marriage troubles, doesn't it? It affects every other area of your life, doesn't it? It does. Um, and so, how can it be that you and I can work so very hard and just not get anywhere? Um, let me back up. I'm sorry. I was telling a story about measuring your weak, your strengths against your spouse's weakness. Um, I need to say something about that. We sometimes, we say, I'm putting so much into this marriage or into this relationship, and you're not you're not measuring up, you know. Um, wh- and that, I tell you, that leads us down a path, and, and I t- let me tell you where that comes from. It's from your own pride and your own arrogance, and it's uh, whispers from our, our enemy uh, who says that you deserve better. Um, let, me, let me tell you, you need to back up. If, when you find yourself to that ledge, when you're thinking, I deserve better than this man or this woman that I'm married to, you need to take a step back because Satan is at your door knocking and say, I want you to destroy your family now. Are you into that? I'll I'll make you a deal. Maybe I'll give you something better. Uh, Listen, you need to step back from that. And when you begin to see the point where where you've stopped seeing the good in your husband or your wife, you need to step back and realize that, listen, my mind is not in the right place because I guarantee you there is good in your husband or your wife. Are you with me? When you can't see it anymore, what's wrong is in your mind. Are you with me? I remember Brenda and I sat down for, um, we went through a, uh, uh, a year, about a year of marriage counseling, and it started uh, every week we were getting together for, for marriage counseling. Ended up where we weren't getting together but about once a month toward the end of that. But for the first year, we got together a lot with our, our pastor, uh, Dennis and, and Susan Noblet here at Calvary, and uh, Lord bless them. Uh, they worked with us and worked through uh, the difficulties. And I remember we went there, and uh, I remember Brenda in particular, um Mostly because she said so, and I don't have a very long memory, but she's reminded me that she didn't see a lot of good in me. But I remember the first time that we met, I believe it was, um, that they asked, what do you see in your in your husband, your wife? What do you see that's good?" And she said, "Well, he's a good father. He's a good father. I kind of broke my heart at the moment because you know I was coming from the opinion that I was you know the most giving husband that must have ever lived on the face of the of the planet. And uh, I felt like I'd really been doing a lot, a lot of giving, and uh, and uh, I couldn't believe that's all that she could see. But it was all that she could see at a time. Let me back up. Let me let me tell you this. So that was a step in the right direction in her recognizing something good in me. You know, when you get to the point that you can't see any good in your mate anymore, you need to take a step back and realize your mind is now messed up. You've now gone to the point of being angry or bitter for so long that you can't see the good anymore. And you need to go to your God, and you need to go to godly counsel, and you need to start unwrapping the anger and the bitterness that is built up in your mind, and you need to start uh, to see the good in, in your spouse. And I'll tell you, that's not an easy journey by yourself. You need a, you, I would recommend you seek some godly counsel to do that. But anyway, because really, if you had any courage, you would compare your weaknesses to your spouse's strengths. Wouldn't you? If you had any courage at all, wouldn't you say, well, well, I have these weaknesses and my, my husband or my wife is so good at this? If you had any courage at all. Because in the end, listen, we're all sinners and we're all in need of patience and grace. And that's not only from God, it's from our spouses as well. True? All right. Okay. Um. Well, we, so that's where we were. We felt like we were working really hard, and it seemed like no matter how much effort I put into our marriage, it just wasn't working. I just couldn't do enough. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do enough things. I couldn't do enough around the house. I couldn't do enough to, to help with the kids, and, and, you know, marriage changes over time, and, and, you know, back then, we had three very young children, and I tell you what, we needed, uh, you know, we needed Brenda and I and about six other people to help, you know, do all the laundry and take care of the kids and play with them, and then, you know, just all those things and play games together, and there just wasn't enough time in the day uh, for us, and, and uh, that changes over time. Let me tell you folks with, with very young children, uh, that changes, thank God. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not as intense as it is uh, early on in your marriage, and you hang on through those tough times, and you, you, don't, you spend those, you know, you get that three or four hours of sleep at night, and you just press on, and you continue, it'll get better after several years. All right. <laughs> Tim and Grace—they're the only ones I can think of with very young kids. Hang on, brother. Hang on, Grace. Be strong. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Here's the key. I remember the first time. I wanted to share with you something that I learned the very first time that really, absolutely revolutionized Brendan and I's marriage. And believe it or not, the God who created masculinity and femininity—I almost couldn't say that—femininity. <laughs> <laughs> the God who created, you know, men and women, genders. How about that? The man. The God who created uh, genders. Also created marriage, and he created it in a way. And he even in his love and his and his mercy for us, he tells us how it works well. You know, um, I know you read your Bible and you do it because you think you ought to, but you know, you really ought to read your Bible because it's wisdom for living, and it uh, uh, it uh, connects you with your with your heavenly Father. But besides that, there's wisdom in this book that's not found anywhere else because it's the wisdom of God that's uh, captured through through uh, men over time. But Um, If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. In the book, His Needs, Her Needs, there's a, uh, what's his name, Harley, I can't remember his first name, Harley is the author's name. He writes about five main needs that men have and five main needs that women have. Um, I'm not going to go through them today, it's a good book, you ought to pick it up and read it, it's very intriguing, very interesting, Um, and believe it or not, this is hard to believe, but men and women are different. I know. Anyone fell down? Okay. They're different. Their needs are different. What they want from their spouse is different, and uh, it's an amazing thing. I'm not going to go through all those today, but uh, if you get a chance, it's in our church library, unless someone's got it checked out, but it's a good book, His Needs, Her Needs. Uh, le- guy's last name's Harley. Um, I won't go into those today, but let me talk to you. I want to talk to you very specifically about the, what the Scripture says today because it just so happens that it matches um, what this guy has to say about what our, our main, main needs are. Um, for a man, his main need—the book would say—one uh, of his major needs, and what Jimmy Evans says is a man's primary need, which I think is interesting, uh, is for respect. And a woman's main need is for love. Is for love, and a man's main need is for respect. Now let's dive in here to Ephesians chapter five. We're going to be in verse verses uh, starting verse twenty-two. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives must submit to their husbands in everything. All right, let me stop there for a moment. Ladies, I know when you hear a preacher or a pastor or someone stand up and say the words, you must submit to your husbands, and we read this passage from Scripture, you put on, you know, there's like an air break. There's, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. If I submit to this man, you do not know what will happen in my home, you know. And things will be out of control. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, you, you just don't understand uh, what's, what goes on in my husband's head, and actually no one can understand what goes on in my husband's head. I know you feel that way. I know you think that. I know that, in fact, any of us, because actually, honestly, because of our sinful nature, we don't like to be in submission to anyone, do we? Yeah. I mean, if we had it all, if we had it the way we wanted it, we would all be our own bosses, right? We wouldn't have one at work, right? We would do our own thing. We would do what we want. We would never, uh, we would have never have any authority over us. That's just true of all of us. It's true of men. It's true of women. It's true of everyone, isn't it? Uh, but whether you like it or not, God has ordained authority. Let me put that differently. God has designed in the universe that there would be authority, okay? There is even authority in the Godhead. We read last week that that uh, just as God was the head of Christ, just as the Father is the head of Christ, so the man is the head of the wife, right? Now, listen, I could be very politically correct this morning. I could choose not to teach on this or preach on this. I could be, but let me tell you, I, I need to give you the whole account of the Scriptures because I believe this is true. And I believe it doesn't matter what I think about it. You know what I mean? I I know a lot of times you want to get in the Scriptures. I I know there are a lot of times that I want to get in the Scriptures, and I want to argue with the Scriptures. You know what I mean? I I read things like, whatever is done that's not done in faith is sin. And I want to stop, and I want to say, but if it's just... If it's just not really faith, but it's just a little bit not in faith, then surely it's not just that simple, just that, yeah, it is. Okay. You know, it doesn't matter. I can't argue here with this. This book, in in my belief and what I understand about the universe, this book actually has authority over my life, and I'm not wiser than God. I'm an ant to Him. You know what I mean? He's told me how the universe works. He's told me how marriage works. He's told me about salvation, but I can't trust him on this issue? I think I can. Yeah? Are you with me? Okay. Now, I know to um, – well, let's continue. Um, let me tell you why this is important, um, ladies, because the, the act of submission – what does submission means? It means that you take your will and you put it below someone else's will, Okay? All right, that means that the things that I want to do, I put below the importance of what someone else wants me to do. Like when you go to work and you think, I'd like to sit at my desk and drink coffee and read the paper with my feet up on my desk, right? But my boss would rather me do something else. True, right? He's in authority over you, so what should you do? Well, if you want to keep your job, of course, you need to uh, submit and do your work, of course. And, uh, and we're all in authority. And listen, I tell you, you know, read the Scriptures, read, uh, read Paul's writings about government. God has established authority for a purpose. Uh, it's there, and even when authority is wrong, it's right. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a sermon for another time, but, uh, uh, but, but, uh, but that's it. Let me tell you something, men, women, that you don't know about your husbands. His ego is fragile. Listen, y'all, not one of you burst it out laughing when I said that. I'm very proud of you all. Your, your husband's ego is fragile. It's true, isn't it? He's not broken. All of us are that way. Yeah, all of us are have very fragile eagles. And, and uh, I don't know why that is. Believe it or not, it's, it's common among yin, men. But let me tell you, there is nothing greater that you can do for your husband than to submit to him. And what I mean is out of respect. And, of course, let me read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 again. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, what what does that mean? Does it mean that you're to treat your husband as if he's Jesus Christ? That's not what that means. What it means is out of respect and out of honor and out of the submission that you would place under God, you are to respect and honor and submit to your husband. Now, yeah, I, I know that causes a lot of trouble, but let me tell you, it's the key to your husband's heart. It's the thing that makes him tick is when you respect and you value him. I know it's weird, isn't it? It's not like you, is it? It's different than you, isn't it? But it's the key to his heart. Man, am I right? Oh, come on, hey, wait, you you don't back me up. I'm coming to all your houses after this. Is it not true that the, one of the greatest things that you can hear from your your wife is is to praise you for something that you've done or to tell you that you're good at something? Okay, man, I was good, man. I bring a Snickers bar, but I'm coming to all you. You want value his opinion. Tell you know. Hey, here you go. I brought something this morning. Um, my wife spent some time. Um, I can't. What was this for, babe? <laughs> it wasn't a special occasion, uh, but she just one day she sat down and she uh, she write down she wrote down things that I'm good at or things that she loves about me. Right. Actually, it's titled "I Love You Because," and it starts. Can I read some of these? Okay. Um, I should ask these things before so that there's not pressure on you. Sure. I mean, you've got them up there. Didn't ask me before now. Uh, some of them are very simple things, but uh, some of them are not. Oh, man, where are we going to do now? Um, some of them are not very simple things, but let me, let me just read through a few of these with you. Um, uh, I love you because you sit on the swing with me. We, have a, we used to have a swing in our front porch. Uh, it was, we love to sit together and spend our margin time together right um, I, I love you because you uh, you help to uh, I'm sorry that because you like to be with me uh, I love you because you remember my birthday that didn't always used to be the case but now I now I do I love you because you give everyone 110 percent. I love you because you teach our kids games like catch. Uh, I love you because you have an abundance of grace for me. I love you because let me find some other other uh, ones that are a little bit different. I love you because you carry things when I can't. I love you because you make me feel stronger. I love you because... (laughs) I'm not going to read that one. Uh, It's not bad. It's not bad. It's (laughs) It's not bad, I promise. It's just a little personal. I love you because... Stop now? Okay. Um, I love you because you're patient when I'm not. I love you because you're together. You hold it together when I'm not. Um, I love you because you make me feel special. I love you because you make phone calls for me. I love you because you always support and help me. I love because, uh, I can't read that one, but anyway, uh, on and on. I tell you what, I love that note. Because I need to hear, you know, and I even ask Brenda sometimes shamelessly, um, I ask her, remind me what I'm good at. (laughs) And all the women are like, you are so egotistical. I know, (laughs) I know. But I, ladies, I'm telling you, your husband needs to hear that from you. Let me tell you something I learned from uh, Jimmy Evans, something else. He says, your husband will gravitate toward the area of greatest honor, okay? Let me tell you what typically happens in in many homes. What happens in many homes is that the man will come home and he'll find he's just not that good at some of the stuff at the house. You know what I mean? Men aren't just naturally wired with an ability of like what to do when the kids misbehave, are we? I mean, I was clueless. Maybe there are some men who just come that way, but I did not. I had to be taught. I, I didn't, you know, you know, the kids, you know, spill milk and they wreck the car. In my mind, that was the same punishment. You know, I had to be taught. I had to, like, learn oh, what's appropriate here, you know, uh, when the kid's, you know, six months old and they accidentally grab, oh, you know, okay, it's a spank. No, 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 you don't spank him at that age. Oh, okay, I didn't know. But, um, and so a man at, at home a lot of times, is, it's just not a very natural fit, and until you're there and you're working with the kids and you're doing that stuff and you kind of watch, see what your wife does, like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I think I can do it. When Brent and I got married, actually, I'm sorry, I'm just telling too much personal today, but when Brent and I first got married, um, I had never... Held a baby before that I can really remember, or changed a diaper. I was clueless and absolutely no help. By the way, Brenda carried the load for well after Rebecca. I kind of, kind of, you know, after about four years, I kind of, I was on board. But um, before then, I wasn't a lot of help. But uh, you know, it was through watching me, but stuff. But here's what happens, man: is a lot of times we don't, we don't feel very like we've like a very good fit for this whole child rearing thing, do we? Uh, and, and we're certainly, uh, many men are good at cooking, I'm not one, uh, and, and, and all this stuff. And so there's things going on at home that we're just not very good at, and we feel like we're fumbling through it. And, and I remember the first time I held my kids, and especially Rebecca, I thought, man, I'm going to break her. Uh, someone needs to, you know, are you sure? When we left the hospital, I was thinking, you, really? Because I don't think I can do this. I'm not sure I'm equipped, you know, to handle this, but uh, anyway, and what's happening at work oftentimes in those men's lives as, uh, as, as their kids are growing up is they start to be more and more important and more and more useful at their jobs. And so at, job, at their work, they're thought of as uh, someone who's the go-to guy. At the work, they are, they're thought of as a, the, the guy who can get things done. Well, at home, he's the guy who can't do things very well, and he's still learning. And if he's got a wife that nags him and tells him, you didn't do this, and you didn't do this, and you're not making enough money, and you're not t- helping me taking care of the kids, and you're not helping me with a house, and you're not helping me with it. Let me tell you what happens naturally with a man, and I'm not, not saying it's right, I'm not defending it, but a man will drift from his home and his marriage and drift towards work because he feels honored there. Listen, you want your husband to be around? Honor him and respect him at home. Tell him what he's good at. And listen, I remember Jimmy Evans telling this. He said, you know, when your husband gets up or, or, you know, and he goes to bed at night and he comes down and and, and he's put on his pajamas and if he's remembered to button all three buttons, good job, honey. you got all three this time all by yourself. Good work. That's, you know, to be a little funny, but really, truly, um, even when there's not very much that he's good at, you honor him for those things that he is. You don't nag on him about the things that he's not because that makes every single man want to split. You know what I mean? I don't mean break up or thing. Just go. Just not be there. You with me? You think if you nag your husband long enough, you're going to get those things done that you need to, be, to, to do, right? No, no, no. I'm telling you. You want things done at the house. You know, here's, here's what will happen. Your husband does something good with the kids, you know? He goes and he plays with the, with the kids or something, and you come back and you say, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You know, it is so good that our kids have such a great dad. You know, take the kids out and, and, uh, and, and teach them how to c- recover a fumble. That's kind of one of the first things I did with my kids. Um, it's a little unusual, I know. But, uh, you know, and, and I, I tell you what will happen in your man's heart. He'll say, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, say, I'm going to teach, yeah, we're moving on now. N- n- this week we're moving from a, from a 4-3 difference to a 3-4, and I'm going to show these kids how to cover deep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, right? All right. It, that's what happens in a man's mind is, is oh, let me show you. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, you, yeah, you've se- you have ain't seen anything yet. You respect him, and you honor him, and you show respect. You value his opinion. You value his place in your home as the as the man of the house, yeah. And he'll want to be there. And he'll want to do better. Yeah. You remember that great line in, uh, uh, what's that? It never gets better than this. What's that called? That, uh, somebody help me. Come on. Uh, huh. Jack Nicholson movie, as good as it gets. You remember he says he he says to the woman there, whatever her name is. He says, her, you make me want to be." a better man. Oh, that's great stuff. That's true. A woman who honors her husband makes her husband want to be a better man. Yeah. So ladies, um, you want a better man? Nag him to death. No. No. You want a better man? You honor him and you respect him and you tell him the things that he's good at and the things that he's bad at. You help him be better, and I don't mean you be con- you're controlling uh, female out of control self. I mean, <laughs> right? Oh, no, oh, no, no. Women would never be controlling or feel like they would need to control their environment, would they? Control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. You you honor and you respect your husband, and those things that he's not good at you just help him be better you just you just show him you just reaffirm him and you just tell him you're so good at this and he'll want to be better better at other things are you with me okay i'm sorry did I step on some toes there i too. okay we've spent plenty of time ladies on your on your husband's need for respect now it's time to move on man oh, this goodness this is one of those things this is a passage of the scripture that that you know honestly i'd like to argue about but uh, i don't argue with the scripture i am in submission to it i mean husbands Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. My goodness. Okay. You know, I, you've heard me preach about the love of Jesus Christ and his love for people and his love for, uh, to bring redemption to us, to buy us back, right? And I've told you before that it's the greatest expression of love, I think, that the universe has ever seen or known. That an innocent man would give his life to be brutally beaten and tortured to death for the sake of his bride, the church. And then Paul says, "Men love your wives like that." Oh my goodness, what do you say? What do you say to that, men? I, I can't. I, I can't even. I can't even imagine how to do that. I can't imagine where to start. I can't imagine how much of me I'd need to give up to, to even look like or, 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 or bring some honor to Jesus Christ through that. Can I tell you, can I tell you, for years, my prayer was for Brent and I was this, was, was just this. And, and I tell you, I think it's very powerful. I think it helped change our marriage. I would say oftentimes I pray to God whenever Brent and I weren't getting along or whenever she frustrated me or I had frustrated her, I would just very simply I would pray, Lord, help me to love her like you do. Help me to love her like you do. And let me tell you, when you're frustrated, it is hard to remember to pray that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's difficult. But you just pray and you just ask the Lord, Lord, you have greater love for this woman than I can muster. You, you paid a penalty that I that, I'm, that I wouldn't be willing to pay. You did something for her that I couldn't, one, I was never called to do. That was solely Jesus Christ who could do, who pay the penalty for our sins. But, but it's also something that I never could do. You love her more than I do, so you put your love in, in, in my heart for her. And over time, my attitude toward that woman began to change, and it was the work of the Holy Spirit as, uh, as I walked as a believer and as I followed Jesus Christ and I recognized my own inadequacy to love her enough that uh, there began to be a change in my heart. And simultaneously, there was a change in Brenda's heart. And it was a beautiful thing. All right. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me tell you, men, women have no problem submitting to a man who gives himself so freely as, as uh, how Jesus Christ gave for the church. True? True, ladies? When you When someone is that willing to lay the whole of their life down and say, Uh, I, I, I give it all for your good. I give it all for your good. For your benefit, I give it all. Women don't have a problem with submitting to authority there. Okay. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ did for the body of Christ, for you and me right? He's, he's washed away our sins, and He's presenting us uh, as a bride to Himself. You know, someone said, we were talking in the office this week, someone, someone said that, uh, you know, the, the Scripture, the history starts with a marriage, and it ends with a marriage. True. Yeah. It starts with the marriage of Adam and Eve, and it ends with a marriage of Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. It's a beautiful thing. It's a reflection of what our relationship with God is like, Yeah, It's supposed to be the way that a man treats his wife. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one one flesh. That sound familiar? Yeah, it comes from Genesis 2, doesn't it? This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. All right, before we get to that last verse there, I want to, Want um, to want to to want to show you this, men. Um, so it can happen that I'm doing something for Brenda that she totally doesn't appreciate. You know, if I go to Brenda and I tell her all the things she's good at, she likes to hear it. But it, that man, that's just nothing compared to what her real need is, men. A real need for a woman is to be loved tenderly, and wholly, and sacrificially. Oddly enough, it's in the Scriptures. Funny, huh? Women, your greatest need for your husband, the greatest need for your husband is for respect. Weird, it's right there in Ephesians. Women, the greatest need for your husband, or, or sorry, men, the greatest need for your wife. This gender thing's very confusing. The, the greatest need that your wife has is for love, self-sacrificing, seeking her good over your own at your expense, at your sacrifice, just like Jesus Christ. Yeah? Yeah, that's that's uh, difficult to do. So how do you do that? Let me tell you. I could stand up here and tell you, well, you know, you need to help around the house. Wash some dishes. Do some laundry. I could tell you, um, spend time with your kids instead of spending time watching TV. I could tell you that um, spend time talking to her um, and even when you're tired. Yeah? But let me tell you, there's something that has to go along with this. And I tell you, I learned this very painfully with Brenda. It has a lot to do with your attitude, doesn't it? Uh, let me tell you, I could, I could wash dishes, but if I wash dishes and I'm upset about it, or I'm upset about washing dishes, it didn't count. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, that, yeah, zero. No points, right? No money in the love bank. Nothing. But, but when I wash dishes because I want to help her, because I love her, because I want to seek her good even at my expense. That's a dollar in the love bank. When I spend time with my kids, and I really engage, and listen, I tell you, folks, I'm a workaholic, and I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm asking God to help me through this, but um, I, I, I am always distracted by work. I mean, just typically, any given day. Is it true, babe? Yeah, okay. Y'all pray for me. I'm always distracted by work. And to separate myself from, from work is a difficult thing. Be, and so, what? Let me tell you what this means. So that means that when Brent and I are communicating, my mind could be off somewhere else. I can't do that. I have to be there. I have to be engaged. I have to, I have to, you know, have a desire to be intimate with her. Comes with the the, the attachment that that I have to willingly and wantingly want to talk to her, you know. And over time, you know, I remember at first, you know, my thought was, men, you know, your first thought is that, you know, if if I just let her talk as much as she wants to talk, my ears will actually melt off of my head, right? But no, over time, yeah, <laughs> over time, it's all right. right. just, it's, We can all talk here. It's all right. It's a safe place. Um, but over time, you connect with your wife, and she's not starved for communication, right? And, uh, and you'll find some, some great satisfaction in getting to talk to your wife. It's one of my, the best parts of my day is getting to hug my wife after work every day and to hear about my day and her day. It's a really great time. It's intimacy. I didn't know that for a long time. I was uh, young and stupid. But uh, anyway, now I'm older and stupid. But uh, spend time with your kids in a good mood, right? Spend time with your kids. Get down on their level. You know, get down. You got young children, get down. Play with them on the floor. Um, if you're like me and your back's wound tight, you know, uh, then you sit on the couch while they're on the floor. You play games with them. But it's, it has a lot to do with your attitude. and It has a lot to do with just how you love your wife. Love her tenderly. Love her Uh, giving of yourself, sacrificially, yeah, just like Jesus Christ loved the church, and that will communicate love to her like nothing else. Let me tell you um, one quick thing I've learned. Um, You know, I'm, uh, so, man, I tell you this, and the first thing you think is, if I give sacrificial to my wife, there will be no end to what she wants with my time. I'll end up having to quit my job, and she'll just want to talk for 12 hours every day, right? I know that's what's going through your head. Um, Or maybe it's mine that way, man, I don't get you in trouble. Um, but let me tell you what happens is this. When I make it a priority to spend time with my kids, okay, when I make it a priority to spend time with my kids when I need to go work, it's no problem. When I make it a priority to date my wife and to seek our relationship only after my relationship with Jesus Christ, but I, when I seek my relationship with Jesus Christ, I seek my, wife, my relationship with my wife, I spend time playing with my kids, she says, "Oh, yeah, do yeah, you need to work, yeah, go work. Go play, you know, whatever you need to do. But listen, men, I tell you what happens too many times is we spend times neglecting the most important things, and our wives are calling us on it. It's true, isn't it? You you, you don't want to hear that? I don't want to hear that, but it's true. And I know, and I can tell, whenever I need to go work and, and whenever my mind's caught up in something and Brenda says, is is reluctant for me to go do it, I can go back and I can think, I haven't been making this a priority. And don't, can you close yours for just a second? Nine times out of ten, she's right. You know, nine times out of ten, she's right about it. There's a book out that's uh, published by, um, published by uh, uh, Focus on the Family. It's called Love and Respect. It's about this very thing. If you don't have a copy, you had to grab one. It's a great read. I've never read it. It's a great read, but I'm told that it's a, a really good book, but it's about this very thing. Um, a man is to show a self-sacrificing love to his wife. And a woman is to show respectful love to her husband. Yeah? So how can it be that we can work so very hard and our marriage still be so very difficult? It's because you're different than your wife and you're different from your husband. And we have different needs. Yeah? And when you're trying to meet your needs and your spouse, it doesn't work like that. When you go to meet your husband's needs and you try to understand him better, uh, then you're going to get somewhere. You're going to win the guy over. When men, when you go and you try to meet your wife's needs, uh, the the things that a woman need, you're going to win her over. You win her over her heart. And it's revealed right here to us in Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read the last verse. Funny thing, how it ends. He says he's talking about Christ and the church. And then verse 33, he says, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and his wife must what respect her husband, love and respect. Yeah. Listen, I um, um, I I want to I want to say one more time, um, th- there are storms that come up in marriages every single one. Sometimes they're a little thunderstorm that we get here in the Panhandle. Sometimes they're a Category Five hurricane. You know what I mean? When people are in a hurricane, they have to call for outside help, right? When uh, when a hurricane when a Category Five hurricane hits the coast, uh, they got to call for help. If you're in a Category 5 hurricane, you need help. And you don't need for it to wait until it gets worse. You need help. And listen, there is no shame in asking for help. It is good and a godly thing for you to think enough of your marriage to get outside help. Are you with me? Everybody said amen. It's hard, I know. It's embarrassing, I know. I've been there. I, I, I know. It's hard. I, I, you know, I told Brenda over and over again, I don't want to air our dirty laundry, you know. Or I don't want other people, this is one of my favorites, I don't want other people knowing our business. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know why. That just kind of cracks me Um, Let me tell you you, you, you can't stay there. I stayed there for a long time, and I'll call myself a fool. I stayed there for years, and I'll call myself a fool. I was a fool. Things could have been so much better so much earlier. But instead, I decided, hey, let's stay in this and struggle and, and be miserable for a while longer. No, 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 no. Listen. If you're in a you're in a thunderstorm, you can probably figure your way through it. But you end up in a hurricane, you need to call for help. If you're in a place where you can't unravel the problems, the the anger, the resentment, it's time to call for help. You with me? It's important. Your marriage is important. It's that important. Okay. All right. Listen. It's Valentine's Day. I hope you get to spend some time with your sweetheart. Um, my my daughter Jessica told me something funny. She said this was. Uh, uh, instead of Valentine's Day, this was Singles Awareness Day, right, where all the single people know, uh-huh, I'm by myself, right? Yeah. Oh, Lord bless you as you uh, as you spend some time today here today. But uh, anyway, had a great time with you guys today. Again, uh, Jeremy Hand, I appreciate you guys being here. We're blessed by your yearliness and worship today, so we thank you. Would you guys stand with me? Tyler and Christina, I'm going to pray for you guys. Hey, Actually, why don't you all come on down? This is like uh, something we can, uh, yeah, you all come on down here. People are going to say hello and uh and, uh, and congratulate you guys. Spend a little time with 100 of your closest friends here. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, today, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this day that we can come and we can celebrate marriage. It, it, it's your invention, Lord, and it's a reflection of what you're like. Um, we're different, but we're, we are equal in value before you. And uh, and though we're different, uh, we have different roles in, in marriage. And and, Lord, you desire for there to be unity and there, for there to be uh, love and, and respect in our marriages. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for revealing uh, to us, Lord, that our spouses' needs to us so that we can know, so that we can learn about um, the, our, our differences, and so we can love each other better, uh, so that we can be better husbands and better wives. Heavenly Father, give us the courage to go first for those people who are, who are struggling and, and uh, have, have not been intentionally, not been meeting each other's needs. Lord, I pray that you'd give somebody the, the courage to go first and to persevere uh, and of honor and respect and ever, and uh, reverence to you, Lord God. Uh, Lord, we pray your blessings on, on, on marriages, Lord, today. Pray your blessings on on uh, people, Lord God, that you would call us into greater unity and intimacy. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.